morning I have the pleasure and the honor of inviting somebody who um, is very important to me <laughs> to share God's word with us um, relating to this scripture. Professor Jamie Colesburnett <laughs> is um, an instructor of biblical studies at Seattle Pacific. And while she's never actually been my instructor, somehow we managed to get connected about a year ago, and she has been blessing my life with wisdom and with encouragement, with love, ever since then. And so um, I have heard her preach one time, and it was fantastic. So I'm very excited that she agreed to be here with us at Renew. Uh, and so I'm also excited for you to be blessed um, by her wisdom and her words. So I'm going to pray for you, and then hand you the mic. Lord, thank you for building up women such as Professor Coles Burnett. Mm -hmm. Thank you for bringing her to this place. Thank you for preparing her for such a time as this. And Lord, I pray that the words that she speaks, the wisdom that she offers would open our eyes, that we may see. And Lord, I pray that you would give her strength and confidence in the work that she has done in the way that you fill her. May your Holy Spirit be moving. May our hearts be open to all the truth that she's going to offer us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Erica. And what a joy to be with all of you this morning. It is just wonderful to be in the house of the Lord today, just fellowshipping. And I have enjoyed the worship and the greeting time. It was just a rich time of, you know, um, I've been in uh, services where they do have kind of like the meet and greet time. And Sometimes it can feel kind of rushed, but it was really nice to get to know some of you, and it's just a blessing. So I thank you all for the space. Thank you, Pastor Dave, for the space to come and share, and I'm grateful for my husband being here with me today to support me. He uh, left a men's retreat early so that he could come and uh, support me, so I'm thankful for him today, and thankful for Erica blessing that she is to my life as well. So, Well, with that, we're going to get right into the message today. And um, God placed on my heart just to deal with the power of perception, the power of perception. And so I'm going to ask, hopefully uh, you all have heard about this, but I'm going to say two words. Yanny. <laughs> Laurel. Oh, <God. laughs> I hear it on <laughs> sound familiar? <laughs> Do we have any diehard Yannies in here? Anyone diehard? Any, anyone? Uh, so there's a social kind of experiment going on where you listen to a short clip and you either, and it sort of just tests you to see whether you hear the word Yanny or the word Laurel. And then you have some people that are diehard Yannies and then myself, I am a diehard Laurel. I mean, I listen to the clips to hear Yanny. I tried. <laughs> I closed my eyes. I listened intently, but all I could hear was Laurel. So I'm in the Laurel camp. Um, but if you have been following this, this particular clip, it tests our perception in part. And if there's one thing that I'd like to leave with you today, and I admit I'm a little bit biased, in a world full of Yannies, be a Laurel. <laughs> <laughs> But on a serious note, this experiment shows us something, the power of perception. 
And perception is not just what we see or what we hear, but it's how we interpret what we see and hear. And our perception can be affected by a lot of different things. Perhaps a physical uh, uh, challenge of some kind. Take for instance, when you get a cold, the worst thing in the world is not being able to smell, right? Like you, and, and what's worse is when you can't smell, you can't really taste. Ah. So, so you know, it, our ability to smell or taste or our ability to perceive sometimes is affected by you know something like a cold. Um, but our perception, uh, I want to kind of deal with it on a deeper level. The way that we understand ourselves and those connected to us and the world is formed on a much deeper level by our experiences, how we were raised, right? Our relationships, our successes, our failures. And we, if we admit, you know, if we've been burned one too many times in relationships, we are a little more hesitant to open up to new ones. If we grew up not being affirmed and uh, being perhaps verbally or mentally put down, uh, we often learn to have low self-confidence, low self-worth and self-esteem. And so because our perception is formed by all of these things, the good and the brokenness, we have to admit that sometimes our perception is off. Can we admit that? Sure. Yeah. And that we sometimes perceive ourselves, others, and the world from our state of brokenness. But thanks be to God for Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that when Jesus comes into our lives, he puts us on a path towards wholeness. And we learn some pretty awesome things about ourselves from him, like we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That greater is the one who is in us than those that are in the world. But as we walk along this path towards wholeness, there are challenges, difficulties, sorrows, failures, and threats that present themselves. So maybe you're here today and you're facing a health challenge. Or maybe you're having marriage difficulties or a financial issue. Maybe something's going on with your kids that you haven't talked with anyone about. And how we perceive these things and we perceive ourselves when facing these things, it's important. So I believe that our text for today has some important gems that we can take with us as we face threats. Maybe not as severe as the one that Elisha was facing, but nonetheless, big threats in our lives and challenges. So the first thing that, we, that I learned and picked up from this text is that we have to acknowledge that the threat is real. We can't change what we don't confront. The Aramean army that Elisha's servant saw was not an illusion. It was not a mirage. It was not a hologram. Some, and sometimes we miss a God moment to show or receive the love of God in our situation or to receive a new perspective because we are unwilling to acknowledge the truth about what we are facing. And sometimes we have to learn how to stand in solidarity with others that are facing difficulties. There's nothing worse than going through a challenge and having someone be dismissive or condescending or belittling what you're going through. And it's important for us, even if we're not going through something, to affirm those that are and recognize that, hey, yeah, I see that what you're going through is real. And I don't have the answer right now, but I'm here for you and I'm here with you. 
And so Elisha's servant, the attendant, he recognizes that the army is real and so does Elisha. Elisha doesn't belittle the fact that there's a real army surrounding them waiting to, uh, waiting to attack them. Um, and so there is healing in solidarity. There's healing and victory in telling the truth about a situation. We can think about even examples from our current culture today. How many women, as, as we're talking about Judas for the ladies, right? Yeah. <laughs> so how many women in our society have been set on a path to healing because of the Me Too movement? Because they found the courage to come out of the shadows and to tell the truth about what they have faced. And so we've got to acknowledge that if we're going to deal with perception, that's kind of the first thing we've got to deal with is acknowledge that our threats and challenges, the things that we're facing, they're really happening, right? Second thing I want to leave with you today is don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. And this comes from verse 15 of our text. You know, um, I suspect that we have some fixers in the room. And the way that I suspect that is because you're looking at one right here. <laughs> We're usually the ones that everyone expects to have the answers, the ones that others call in the middle of the night, literally, right? When they're in crisis. We're the ones often that others look to for hope or to give an encouraging word or word of advice, right? And so but what do we do when the fixer needs fixing? Sometimes those of us who are in roles as caregivers and counselors and so forth, we aren't used to being uh, in this kind of fix, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. Fixers in a fix. And even though we don't know what to do, sometimes we have trouble asking for help. But asking a question is a sign of a couple of things. It's a sign of humility that says, I don't have all the answers. This is above my pay grade and my security clearance. <laughs> And unfortunately, some of us would rather kind of fall off the cliff we're on than ask for help, right? Uh, for those of us who have friends or loved ones that are directionally challenged and we find ourselves riding with them and they are convinced about the path and the direction that they're supposed to be going on, even though we know this is the wrong way, right? Sometimes we might get lost on the road and are too stubborn to ask for help. But the servant, when he taught, when he sees this great army, he says to Elisha, what shall we do? <laughs> what do we do? And it's a very basic question, but it takes humility to do that. And it takes us realizing that there's something and someone bigger than ourselves that holds the key to our answer. Right? So asking questions is, a, is an act of humility. It's a sign of humility. But it is also something, questions open us up to new information. When we talk about perception, a lot of us, we need new information. We get stuck in a rut, whatever it is. We're facing something and we don't know what the solution is and we tend to get fixed in our own patterns, right? But asking questions opens us up to something new, to receive something new from God. And one thing I like about God is that God likes to ask questions too. God asks lots of questions. God asks people questions in the Bible. Starting in Genesis, God asks Adam, where are you? And, and the response that Adam gives to God is indicative of not just physically where he is, but spiritually.
spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and all of that, right? So God asked the prophet Jeremiah, what do you see? That's another uh, issue of perception, right? So asking questions, even asking questions of God, opens us up to receive new information. You know, I grew up in a tradition where we were kind of taught not to ask a lot of questions. We were just kind of taught to be sponges, where you just sort of soak up everything, and, re and when they ring you out, you regurgitate everything that's sort of been put in you. And um, thankfully, I, in my spiritual journey, I've been blessed to be a part of congregations where they have encouraged us to ask questions, ask questions of our faith, ask questions to God. Right? That's important because questioning doesn't mean that you've thrown your faith aside. It simply means really that you're engaged in relationship. Amen. It's only when you stop communicating with God that your relationship, right, your fellowship is kind of, you know, you have questions about what's going on. But when you are in a conversation with God, even like Job, Job said some pretty rough stuff to God. If you really read it, Job said some pretty rough things to God. And God responded. <laughs> Maybe Job wasn't ready for everything that God said. But the fact of the matter is, God's big enough to handle your questions. God's big enough to handle whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with. And it's okay to say, God, this situation stinks. What's going on? <laughs> I need some help here. You got to help me figure this thing out, you know? God's big enough to handle that. And not just big enough, but God's loving enough yes. to handle that. God's gentle enough yes. to respond, yes. right? So it's all right to ask questions, all right? So the next thing I want to share with you is you have to get with the right people, right? Get with the right people. The servant asked the question, basically, Elisha, what are we going to do? <laughs> And Elisha was qualified to answer the question. And the thing that I like about the text is that it draws our attention to the fact that he's a man of God. If you read the text, it doesn't always refer to him as Elisha. It refers to him as man of God, which is a typical title or, or a phrase to describe a prophet, right? And so this reminds us that, hey, the guy that this servant, that this attendant is hanging out with is a man of God. I mean, he saw the military intelligence of the Aramean army. I mean, this is a good person <laughs> to be hanging out with. And I had a, a friend of mine that said something to me, and I think uh, it really blessed my life. And he said, if you're the biggest cookie in the cookie jar, you need a new jar. Amen. Mm -hmm. And some of us, <laughs> amen to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and some of us, you know, we can't receive new information and get a perception adjustment because of the people we're around. And it's not that they always mean us harm. These could be very well-meaning and people that we love. But sometimes you have to get around someone with a different perspective or who has the experience of what you've been through, right? If you want a successful relationship, you should seek out people who model that, right? Um, and that goes for anything. So God puts people in our lives that can help us. God sends us people that can see what we can't see. Elisha could see what the servant could not. So the army was real, but could it have been the fear, the panic, and the dread that didn't allow the servant to see the bigger army that was there? And so just as important as what our perception is, is what we choose, or the situation that we face, is what we choose to zoom in on, 
right? Has anyone ever mis misplaced your keys or cell phone or glasses or all three at the same time, right? And you've looked and looked and looked. You've turned your house upside down and made a mess only to discover that the keys were in your hand, you were talking on your cell phone, and the glasses were right on your face, right? And often the things that we need to see are right there with us, all around us, in our face, but because of our panic, our frustration, our fear, we can't see it. And how many messes do we make? How much stuff do we tear up figuratively, trying to look for stuff that's already there? People spend their lives in fruitless activities, trying to get fulfillment through things that can only come through a relationship with Jesus. People tear up their marriages, searching for fulfillment instead of nurturing what they have at home, right? And the truth is, many times we want to see, but we can't for whatever reason. But fear not, as Elisha says in the text, fear not. <laughs> There's more with you than against you. Next thing I want to leave with you, and I only got a few more things, is that ultimately, it is God and God alone that can open up our eyes. We can acknowledge the truth about our situation. We can ask the right questions. We can get wisdom and counsel from the right people. But we must remember that ultimately it is God that is the grantor of powerful perception. And we see that in the text, as powerful as Elisha was, we can read all about the miracles that he did. At the end of the day, he said, Lord, you open up his eyes. And I feel like this part is particularly for someone here today. Maybe you've been praying for someone else. You've been praying for their eyes to be opened about something. Maybe you have a loved one or someone you know that you've been praying for for a long time. You've done everything you can to reach them, to wake them up. You've been uh, investing your time in them, whether it's a spouse, a child, a friend, whoever it is. And you know that the path that they're on is not God's best for them. And sometimes it can wear you out. When you're a prayer warrior and a caregiver and a supporter. But we have to remember that it is God that opens their eyes. There comes a point that it's not us. But that person cooperating with the work of the Holy Spirit, it allows their eyes to be open. And so we have to let go, literally as they say, let go and let God. So ultimately, it is God that opens up eyes. And God is just so good. We don't see God putting up a fuss or a fight with Elisha. When, I mean, Elisha says to God, open the servant's eyes, blind the army, and then open their eyes up again. So he asks a lot of times for God to open eyes and close eyes and open them back up again. And you never see God say, how many times, Elisha, are you going to ask him? God just does it. Yeah. So we serve a, a, a loving God that that desires for us to walk in uh, clarity, right? So the next thing, second to the last thing, is remember who God is and what God has already done. You know, sometimes when we uh, are seeking guidance about how to move forward, right, and sometimes it feels like God is silent, we're not sure all the time, and one good thing to do is Check what, what were the last instructions. Check the last instructions that you got. And see, have you fulfilled those yet? 
Sometimes God is waiting for us to fulfill the last thing that God told us to do before God is ready to move us on to the next thing, right? So we have to uh, rehearse and go back and check the last instructions. The other thing about this text that I like is that when God opens up the servant's eyes, he sees a mountain full of horses and chariots of fire. And for those of us who are the omniscient third reader, right, the third, third person reading the text, we should say, oh, wait a minute. We've read this before. If we back up to the first couple of chapters, we remember that it's horses and chariots of fire that took Elijah up, right? And so that's a good sign. So the same <laughs> chariots, the same chariots of fire that took Elijah up is the same horses and chariots of fire that can take us up out of whatever messes we find ourselves in. So remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. Sometimes it can be difficult when we're facing new challenges. Uh, we can get overwhelmed and consumed and panicked. But it's often good to just sit down and take a moment to start your day and just say, God, I thank you. I thank you that I'm here another day. And just begin to list the wonderful things that God has done already. And God, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then you know if God did it before, that God can do it again and do it in even greater faith. The last thing that I want to leave with you all today is a word of to challenge us. Once God opens our eyes, gives us that new perspe perspective and perception about whatever it is that we're facing, the question is, what will be our response? In the verses that, I, that we didn't read today, if you keep reading chapter 6, after uh, their eyes are, after the servant's eyes are opened, right? And Elisha says there are more uh, with us than there are with them. Remember that. God plus, God is always, when you're with God, you're always in the majority. Amen. You're never outnumbered with God. That's right. You're never. With God, you don't need, you are never outnumbered when God is in the mix. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So always remember that. I don't want to overlook that really important part of the text. But after Elisha's servant's eyes are opened, um, and, and Elisha says uh, to God, okay, God, strike these, this army with blindness. And so they are blind for a little while, and then Elisha pretends to be someone else and says, oh, who are you looking for? <laughs> I like Elisha. I think he had kind of a, a sense of humor in the text world. Who are you looking for? So he takes them to the king of Israel. <laughs> <laughs> and then says, okay, God, now open their eyes. And so you can imagine the shock, terror, probably, once the Aramean army realizes that they are now in the, uh, in the territory and right in the presence of the king of Israel. And the king of Israel says to Elisha, okay, what should we do with them? Now we've got our enemies right here. What do we do? Should I kill them? And Elisha says, no. Don't kill them. Treat them well. Feed them. Supply their needs and send them back to their master unharmed. Wow. This is the same Elisha that called down curses on kids for making fun of him being bald-headed. <laughs> <laughs> this is the same Elisha, right? So Elisha has that side of him. 
where if he feels like he needs to handle some business, and, and you know, as an aside, they, you know, people in church always used to read that scripture to us kids, and they used to say, be careful about it. People. <laughs> and we were like, are the bears going to come out and get us, you know? So Elisha had that side where he could do that, you know? But he chose to respond in grace and to respond in love. And the text says that the king of Israel fed them with a great feast, treated them well, and sent them home. And guess what happened after that? It says that the Arameans raided Israel no more after that point. And you know, I can't help but think about where we are as a society, how much fear, how much division, how much all kinds of chaos stuff is going on right now. And the temptation when we are, when we don't agree with someone and we feel very passionately about what we believe and we think we're right because that's our perception that we're right. Sometimes we, the Elisha that called out the she bears from the woods comes out. <laughs> and we're ready to call down fire from heaven on some folks sometimes, you know, because we're just that passionate. But there's an actress that I really, really like. Her name is Jennifer Lewis. And um, she said, you know, I've learned something in my life. She said, I have learned to lead with love. I've learned to lead with love. And leading with love is not easy. <laughs> it's not an easy thing. Elisha didn't have to respond the way that he did. But here's the thing. His confidence was in God. And when you are confident and know that with God, you're never outnumbered. You don't have to attack. You don't have to go on the attack. You can be confident enough in the God that you serve and the God that loves you to then lead with love for others. And I think that we can really learn something from that. That maybe instead of, you know, sometimes if we're not fighters, if you will, sometimes our tendency is to shut down. We don't want to engage because we're afraid. We don't want to talk because it's too risky, right? But leading means taking risks. Leading means being vulnerable. But when we lead with love, we can be assured that the God who is love, right, is with us and that we're never outnumbered. So I pray today that something that God has given me to give to you has touched you and intersected in a place in your life. I know it has mine. It always hits the preacher first. <laughs> so I'm right there with you. I'm my own amen corner today. <laughs> but I pray God's blessings upon you that your perception that if you have dealt with pain from your past that has sometimes marred the, the way that you even perceive yourself, right? That you would be open to the healing power of the Holy Spirit to come in and to show you just how valued, how loved, how precious you are to God and how precious you are to the world. We need your gifts. You're here because God has deposited something in you that we all need. And sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that, but know that you are precious in the sight of God. He has so, God has so much 
invested in you. And God expects a return on that. God expects a return on that investment, right? God expects for us to go out and to lead with love in those moments where we want to lash out, where we don't see our way, where we are panicked, when we're like, this army is real. This health scare is real. This financial thing I'm going through right now, this is real. But know today that even when the servant didn't know what to do, even though he couldn't see, the army was there all the time. Even though we can't see the army that's with us, we can't always see and feel. And God's with us all the time, Amen. right there with us. 